Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I understand that you're in the process like I am. You know, your issues might be different, your challenges might be different, but we're, we're, we're working on different things, and, but the Lord has been gracious to us both. So you, you'd be a little more merciful, a little more forgiving. You know, that'll kill a judgmental spirit. Spend, one thing that you know about a person that has a judgmental spirit, they haven't really spent time with the Lord the way they need to. Because you won't come away from time with the Lord feeling like, you know, sniffing out other people's issues. You'll be dealing with your own because we're all still a work in progress. Do you have a judgmental spirit? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he challenges you to examine your heart to see if you have a judgmental spirit within you. If you're focused on other people and what issues they might have, this could be an indicator that you're having a judgmental spirit. However, if you're focused on your issues and the things God's having you deal with, you're on the right track. Time spent with the Lord keeps you from examining the faults of others. Focus on God. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, as he begins his message, Errors in Judgment. I titled today's study, Errors in Judgment. And I really believe with Paul, as he continues the chapter, we, we broke it up, but Paul's kind of continuing a thought that part of the warfare Paul dealt with was the misinterpretation or people misunderstanding him, not understanding why he did what he did or not liking some of the things that Paul had to do. As a pastor, as a leader, there were times that Paul wrote, Paul wrote the whole Corinthian letter. First Corinthians is a correction. Most of us don't like to be corrected, right? Uh, most of us don't, we don't enjoy it. So when people correct you or they say something that's corrective or confrontive, we got a couple of options. Some of y'all ball your lip and your fist, you know, and that's how you respond. Um, you know, the, the ideally we would want to humble ourselves and, you know, if it's something that's true, we want to receive it. They have a hard time with some of what they've received from Paul. And so they said some negative things about him. We'll see in this chapter some of the, the things they said about Paul that he got wind of and how he handled it. So I titled the chapter Errors in Judgment. We'll see in this section three errors in judgment that the Corinthians were making that we want to we want to learn from. We want to make sure we don't copy, that we don't make those same errors in judgment. And I'm going to just ask this to make sure we're all on the same page. How many of you guys here have ever made an error in judgment about a person, whether good or bad? Where you thought they were good, they turned out bad. Thought they were bad and they turned out good. Um, hands again, one more time, one more time. All right. All right. So good. Any, if we've ever done it, it should let us know that I'm not as qualified as I thought. The first time I thought they were really great. Then they turned out to be this. You know, that's that's my first Clint. My, my, no, my Clint. My, my, that's my first hint. I'm my first Clint. Sorry. <laughs> that's my first hint that, you know, I, I may not be as discerning as I thought I was or had hoped to be. You know, that oh, I, I thought this and I got that. So we need to be a little slower to judge. We need to be discerning. And we'll look at the, the errors they made. How do they rush to judgment? How do they make the wrong judgments? We'll see how they got there. So look at verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, do not... Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. And so he asks a question now in the King James Bible, it presents this as a question and it asks, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? And some of the other translations is more of a statement. You know, you look at things according to the outward appearance. In either case, 
The first error in judgment that the Corinthians made was looking at things by outward appearance. From the outside, we can only see so much. When I look at something on the outside, I, I can see a little bit, you know, I can see some things. I can't see everything. You can only see so much. And so they were looking at Paul not for who he was, not for the deeds that he did. They actually are the judgments they make about Paul have to do with his physical characteristics. Now, I'll explain this. In this culture, the Corinthian culture, like the Grecian culture, they were very into what you look like. If you look at the statues and things that come from that era, uh, statues of men, they're usually naked. They're chiseled. Um, usually they look like, you know, they look like they're in good shape. That was the Grecian. That was the idea. Like that's that's a that's a man right there. So if you were ugly or something else or, you know, these would be in that cult in that culture that highly regarded these things that, you know, that would be a reason to put someone down. Now, there isn't really anything in scripture that says you got to be handsome to minister the word. Amen. Yeah, amen. <laughs> there is no qualification you, as, a, as a minister of the word. You didn't say you got to be, you know, tall, dark and handsome or good looking and whatever. And so some of the things that they, they really say against Paul have to do specifically with his physical characteristics. So they the question is asked again, do we are, we are we looking at things? Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? And I would remind you guys of this in um you know, way back in the Old Testament, if you write notes, you can write down 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Uh, back there, God was getting ready to anoint the next king of Israel. Uh, Saul had been rejected as king because of his sins, and they were going to raise up a, a, another king of Israel from the sons of Jesse. So God told Samuel, go to Jesse's house, have him bring his sons out, and, you know, let him know that, you know, you're going to offer a sacrifice, but I'm going to anoint the next king of Israel. Samuel came and got there. Eli brought all of his sons out. And when Samuel saw Eliab, that was the, the eldest son, he looked at him and he said, surely this is the next king of Israel. So he must have, it must have been something about his appearance that said, that looks like a king. That's what a king should look like. And then this is what the Lord said to Samuel first. Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God says, Samuel, I know you're looking at him. and He looks like the guy, but he's not the guy. And this is interesting. Eli brought out all of his sons except one, the one that God was going to choose. He didn't even, David seemed such, he seemed so far away from even a thought that, that his dad didn't even bother bring him out. And so Samuel said, do you have any other sons? Because none of these are the ones. And he said, well, I got that little kid out there watching the sheep. David was a little, it's one. Uh, it just says he was ruddy and cute. You know, just, just, I, get a, I get the idea of a, just a cute little kid out there watching the sheep. He had the lowest job. Um, that, was the, that was the lowest job you could have had. There's a whole thing we can look at as far as why he was in that position in the family, whatever. He wasn't even thought enough of to bring out. And when he was brought out, God said, that's my guy. I, that's the guy that's going to defeat Goliath. That's going to be the next king of Israel, the little cute kid, David, because God doesn't see as man sees. And so we want to be mindful. We want to be mindful that I'm sorry. I said Eli is Jesse. My bad. Jesse was uh, the father. So we want to be mindful in our judgments and our looking at things that God is not looking at things the way that we do. And the Corinthians were looking at things kind of in a, in, a, in a carnal way, just looking from the outside. And because of that, they were 
not receiving everything that Saul, that Paul had to say to them. They were rejecting some of the things that were being put forth. And even here, the second part of verse seven, he says, if anyone is convinced in himself that he belongs to Christ or that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, so are we. There were some that were maybe even suggesting that Paul wasn't even saved like he, that they were. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that some people have to do in order to build themselves up is to push others down. Mm-hmm. We want to be cautious of that. That's not how God works. People don't, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to put you down to exalt me. I'm not even really supposed to be in the business of exalting me. Um, but I definitely don't want to be in a place where putting you down makes me feel better about me. Be careful about that being that kind of person. And so moving on, look at verse eight. Paul speaking now, he says, for even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. And Paul said, look, the reason why we have authority, we, Paul has spiritual authority. And he says the reason why God gave him the spiritual authority is not to destroy them, but for their edification. This is what I find many times that those that God will put in a person's life to help them. Those will be the people that are attacked. Those will be the people that you come against. You take a child. Uh, you take you know, our, our youth and our teenagers, you know, probably not in most cases, the most invested persons in their life are their parents. Who's at war with teenagers? Many times parents who's having to fight with them all the time. Parents, who do they turn against? Who do they end up being mad at? Parents. Why is that? That's just one of the battles in this life. For some of us are grown up and you look back. I know I grew up and look back and I hated when I got old enough to look back and say my mom was right about certain things. You know, she wasn't right about everything. But she was right about some real important things that I have blown off in my life. Father, too, that I could look back and say, man, if I had a listen, then, you know, I would have been in a better situation. And so sometimes we end up fighting with those that are correcting us, those that are telling us stuff. Same thing happens in the church. Those that are in position, like Paul, those that are in position of spiritual leadership that have an obligation to speak truth, to challenge, to correct that time, rebuke or whatever. Those people, you know, people don't really appreciate that. Anybody here, you know, you don't have to respond. But many of us, if somebody comes at you with a correction, you, some of us don't like that. Some of y'all be riled up and you mind my business. Why are you judging me? I see this about you, you know, and um, that's usually what most people do. You tell them something about themselves and they're like, what about you? You know, and, and to find something about you. We weren't talking about me. We talking about you, you know, so and we'll talk about that as we go down. But Paul reminds me, he said, look, the authority that we have, the Lord gave us and God gave it to us for your edification. So here's something for us to consider that are in a place of authority. Maybe you're a parent and you're an authority over your kids. God didn't make you an authority over your kids so you could make them do whatever you want. You know, God didn't make you an authority over your kids so you could sit up in your bedroom and and tell them, go get me some some bonbons and take out the trash and do this and do that. Not that they don't not supposed to have chores and stuff like that, but that's not the extent of your authority. God gave you authority over your kids for their edification. That, that you would teach them about him, that you would train them up in the way that they should go. God gives authority to leaders in the church, not so they can dominate people, that they can lord over people, that they can help people to know the Lord. And so Paul says, look, I have authority given to me by God. It's for your edification. I'm not trying to destroy you guys. And so we want to be mindful of we are in a place of authority that you use it carefully. Are you using your authority to edify, to build up those that are under it? You definitely don't want to be in a place where you use your authority to crush those that are under you. Amen. Uh, That's not why God gave it to us. He wants us to build others up with the authority that he's given us. Look at verse nine. He said, at least I seem to terrify you by letters 
For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. And so here we get some of what they were saying about Paul behind his back, some of the way they were talking about him. Um, they said his letters, oh, his letters are powerful, strong, weighty, heavy. But his appearance, his physical appearance, it says his bodily appearance is weak. His It says his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Some of the secular historians of the day give a description of the Apostle Paul. It's not a real flattering one. It said he was short. He was bow-legged. Uh, he was bald. He had leaky eyes. And then he had a hooked nose. And so you don't get an image of a guy that was a, a looker. You know, I don't think you know, women weren't saying, well, look at that brother. You know, that's the imagery that you get from there. Now, that's not a qualification, though. Paul was a spiritual leader. Paul was anointed by God. Paul was called by God. And Paul served God in power and in strength for good, re- for, I mean, with, 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 with good fruit, with good results. And so that's not a, is that a kind thing for them to say about the Apostle Paul? Why would they say that? Why would they put this man down like that? Why would they pick apart his physical characteristics? Because they didn't like some of what he had to say to them. And sometimes what we do to defend ourselves against those that are telling us we don't want to hear is we pick them apart. Well, you know, they don't have a right to say this to me, you know, or, you know, however you do it. I don't know all of you guys, but I know some of y'all, you know, I know some of y'all do the special stuff. So, you know, they this is what they're doing to him. Now, there's a couple things here, right? On Paul's end as a spiritual leader, I, I, he's a great example to us in that Paul hearing that they're talking bad about him didn't cause him to not love them anymore. It didn't cause him to no longer be willing to. He still loved them. He was still committed to reach out to them. He wasn't. Paul didn't say, man, forget you guys talking about me like that. I'm going to another church. He still he, he, he hung in there and he loved them. Right. To the Corinthians, to the people that said these things, it was wrong that they should do it. And so if you're writing notes, you write down Colossians chapter four. Verse six, just a reminder about how we use our words. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other or one another. Um, Be careful about how your words, let your words be seasoned. Let them be with grace. Let them be seasoned with salt. Be mindful about how you use your words. And and so I'm sure, (laughs) I'm sure that, that these things were a battle for Paul at times, that this was I'm sure Paul didn't hear these things said and was like encouraged. I'm sure it was difficult for him, but he did the right thing and then he continued to reach out. Make sure that you're not that person talking about people. Some people, that's just what they do. You know, they talk about people, they put people down. I told you guys before, you know, some of what I've had to work on with my words is I, I usually, if somebody says something smart to me, my mind has a, an immediate comeback. Boom, it hits me. And I've learned over the years that that always is not usually a it's not usually what God would want me to say. And sometimes I want to sometimes it's humorous to me. You know, my wife will see me at times like, what are you laughing at? And it's just all up in here, you know, and I'm trying to get to where I don't even enjoy it up here. Where I just cast down those thoughts. But it happens at least at least right here. You know, it, it happens all the time, all the time. I was uh, right now. I, I can tell you this when this I, I probably got to do push ups with this. But I was standing back there. This is what happens to me. I was standing back there during worship, worship. And I'm checking my pockets. If I had a mint, I had one mint left. And my son reached out to grab the mint. And what my mind said was, I let him have it. My mind said to say, you needed it more than me anyway. That's, that, that kind of stuff is, is in my mind all the time. Now, I didn't say it. And it would have been wrong. Like, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that's always happening here. So 
that wouldn't be a gracious word. It wouldn't be seasoned with salt. It wouldn't edify. He might have laughed at it because he's a joker too, but that's the kind of stuff that happens. Now imagine what happens in my mind when it's somebody that, that's really being mean. It's, it happens. It's, not, it's right there. I come back like, bah, 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 bah. and God's like, you can't be that guy. You can't say that to people. I don't want you thinking. Don't laugh at that no more. You know, we have to work. I have to work. Maybe y'all are better than me, but that, that happens in my mind all the time. Um, we can't be saying those things. I can't say it to your face. I can't say it behind your back. God, be careful how we speak to one another. In particular here, we're speaking of someone that means well. Paul actually means them well. Um, but they're having a hard time receiving some of the challenging things that he's speaking to them. So we want to be careful that we're we receive well the things that are spoken. So as we look at the the Corinthians errors in judgment, the first error in judgment was in verse seven. They made the error of judging according to outward appearance. The second error in judgment we're going to see if we read verses eleven and twelve is they're comparing themselves to one another. Look at verse eleven. It said, let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. Paul says, we're not two different people. You know, who I am in letter, that's who I am indeed. When I show up, there's, I'm not two different people. Then verse 12, he says, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Second error in judgment is comparing ourselves to one another. Now, all of us here know that whatever you are, whatever your challenges are, everybody can find somebody worse off than them. I wasn't the greatest student when I was in school, but I wasn't the worst student. Um, there were kids, usually girls were always, girls were always seemed like they were smarter. There would always be the girls that you knew had studied and done the homework and the extra credit. They were going to have the A and the A plus when the papers got passed back out. Now I might have a C or a B on a good one, you know. I'd get my paper back. Now if I got a C on my paper, I don't want to go stand next to the girl over here that got the A plus, 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 you know. Forget about her. I'm looking, I'm looking for my homeboy that I know didn't do the homework, don't pay attention. I'm like, what you get? He got you got 58%, you know? I got that C though, you know what I'm saying? My, 70, my 72% looks great next to that 55 or whatever that he got. I feel good about myself. I, I found comparing myself next to you. That's that's what that's what people do in human nature. Because I don't have to change. I just gotta find somebody worse than me. You know, if if I'm big, I gotta do is find somebody bigger than me. Man, you fat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm fit. You fat. You know what I'm saying? I find somebody a little bit bigger, a little bit more, and I'm not so bad. It's you're bad. You know? Now, if we do that spiritually, here's the problem with that, right? If I always can find, if I compare myself with someone else, I never have to change. I'm never really, there's, I'll never have to conform. I never have to, I just, I'm just better than everybody else. I'll find someone better than me. Those that are better than me, I don't really, regard them. I'll find some people that I'm better than, and I'm, I feel great about me as I put you down. Now, we're not to compare ourselves by each other. Who, who are we to compare ourselves to? Jesus, right? And when we all do that, we all find out when we stand before him that we're, we're not quite done yet, that I'm very much still a work in progress. And it humbles us. Um, my focus can't be too heavily upon you because I just spent time with the Lord and I'm recognizing that God's working on me. And so I don't have that much energy to be running behind you and focusing on you. And what did you do over there? I don't, I don't got a lot of energy to be sniffing, sniffing out your sins. I just got done with the Lord myself. And God is challenging me on some areas of my own life. And I'm saying in the mirror of the word and God is saying, I'm, I'm still working on you, Bill. And that becomes a healthier focus. It also helps you deal with one another. Do you spend enough time with the Lord where God is gracious to you and merciful to you and working on you? 
and you bump shoulders with your brother or sister that God is also working on, you'll be a little more merciful. Like, I, I understand. I understand that you're in the process like I am. You know, your issues might be different. Your challenges might be different. But we're we're, we're working on different things. And But the Lord has been gracious to us both. So you'd you be a little more merciful, a little more forgiving. You know, that'll kill a judgmental spirit. Spend One thing that you know about a person that has a judgmental spirit, they haven't really spent time with the Lord the way they need to. Because you won't come away from time with the Lord feeling like, you know, sniffing out other people's issues. You'll be dealing with your own because we're all still a work in progress. Amen. So comparing ourselves to our to one another is always going to be an error. That's the second error in judgment that the Corinthians were making. Look at verse 13 now. He says, we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the spirit which God appointed us. A spear which especially includes you, for we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. And so another accusation against Paul was that he was he should have mind his own business. Why are you bothering with us? And Paul said, hold on. He says, you know, we're not boasting beyond measure, but we're within the limits and the sphere of, of what God has appointed to us. He said a sphere which especially includes you. This is why Paul had been responsible for beginning the church in Corinth and leading the people there to the Lord. And so he said, I'm responsible. I have a spiritual obligation to see about you guys and to hear how things are going and to minister to you. I owe you this. It's my obligation to you. And in verse 14, he says, we're not overextending. I'm not reaching beyond what I'm supposed to do and coming to you guys. He says, as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ in the first place. So here's the thing here. There are people in our lives by God's divine design that God says they, they, they have a right to. They, they have to be in your life. Parents, they got to be speaking. Right. When parents fail to speak up in their kid's life, that's a failure in parenting. You can't be your kid's friend. They have friends at school. They need you to be a parent. They need you to look and say, hey, don't do that, son. Hey, daughter, that's a bad habit to get going in your life. They need you to speak. They need you to give correction. They need you to be involved in that way. They can, they can have a friend later. Let them grow up and be your friend. But right now, they need a mom and a dad to give them guidance and direction. They need that. You owe that to them. They're under your sphere of influence for this period of time for that reason. Same is true for those of us that are in spiritual leadership, right? You owe it to people to tell them the truth about what's going on. I can't just tell people. I can't look at someone that's in sin, that's not, that they're not going to make it to heaven and what they're doing and say, it's all right. No, it's not. I can't lie to you. I can't do that. I can't tell you. You can't. I got to tell you the difficult things. And sometimes when you do that, people make decisions. People decide, I don't like what you said. I'm leaving. Okay. Some people will receive it. Some people think about it. Some people even come back and say, oh, you was right. A number of different responses, but I owe it to you. I owe it to someone that comes and I'm aware of something to say something because I know what the Bible says. That's why I'm here. I owe you that. And so we want to be careful because we live in a culture right now in a time where spiritual leadership, it, it's, it's a lot of different things. They're just broken. Things are not the way God wants them to be. Parenting is getting broken down. Where parents are like, well, I don't want to, I want my kids to, you know, I don't want to tell them to run, but I want to be my friends. Uh, when I did high school ministry, one of the things I hated to hear parents say, well, you know, I let them do it in my house because I don't want them doing out there in the streets. Stupid. That's so dumb. That's it's so dumb. I'm condoning your sin under my roof as though you're not going to go do it out there, too. You know, like like you only going to do it here. Well, I just want them to do it under my under your covering under that's that's a better situation. That's not that's not good parenting. You should tell them, no, you can't do that. You can't do that here. 
and let them make decisions they're gonna make, but you can't bend the rules for that. You can't say, well, I don't want you to leave. I want you to be mad at me. You know, I, I hope that's helped. I, that, that's, you can't parent that way. That's not the will of God. God's will is that you, you put a foot down. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 2 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on teachings. Otherwise, you can download our mobile app to listen to more messages. Search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 2 Corinthians, has it caused you to think about whether you honor your leaders? It's clear in this book that Paul felt disrespected as a leader, and there were some who did not make it a joy for him to serve in leading them. God calls us to honor and respect the leaders God has put in place. Supporting those that God has positioned over you to shepherd you can bring about a great sense of godly unity. In fact, think about sending an encouraging note or message to those who are in a leading or shepherding position in your life. If you've noticed that this ministry has been a blessing to you, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your support of a transforming word.